0: Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 521. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M.
1: And I'm Scream Queen Lorraine Singh.
0: Yes, Lorraine, there are nine more days to Halloween. Now, imagine if you're watching the greatest Halloween movie of all time, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch.
1: No! I did re-watch Halloween 3, and that movie is...
0: My favorite. It's the best movie ever. It is
1: movie. not good. It's so good, it Lorraine. So Lorraine, Cink, get bad. the
0: hell off this show right now. <laughs> Do not be smirched the good name of Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. I will fight anyone to the death. I love that movie. It is going to be the capper to our Halloween watch fest this year.
1: I understand why you like it, but it is very much of its time. Yes. <laughs> and we'll... Leave it at that. And also we watched I think you did too on mm-hmm. on Phil Noble Jr. from Fangoria's recommendations Slumber Party Massacre this yes. weekend. Yes. Which was like a fun subverting of the teenage girl gets murdered genre. Yeah. <laughs> like a pseudo inversion of the male gaze or the male gaze turned on men which was kind of interesting
0: it was so good but now we have to go through everything we are excited for this week in marvel because this is the official marvel podcast for all that stuff where we're talking about games comics movies tv all the things we are hyped about and uh what what started the week off Right.
1: Oh, man. Uh, well, we really had a very exciting Monday because new Marvel Studios release dates were put out into the world. Phase four has only just begun. There are a bunch of new dates. So get out a pen and a paper. Marvel Studios Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is now coming out May 6th of 2022, which is so soon. Because 2022 Mm -hmm. is in approximately five minutes from now. Marvel Studios' Thor Love and Thunder is coming out July 8th of next year. Marvel Studios, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever comes out November 11th of next year. And Marvel Studios, The Marvels comes out February 17th of 2023. And Marvel Studios, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Media comes out July 28th of 2023. So two more years of big old content.
0: But you know what? You don't have to wait that long to put phase four (laughs) movies back in your eyeballs because Marvel Studios, Eternals, is only in theaters November 5th. That is very, very soon. And the world premiere of the film was this past Monday. You can watch it on Marvel.com, on Marvel's YouTube channel, everywhere you you want. There's tons of videos, lots of clips of all the folks from the film, behind the scenes, in front of the camera, talking about all kinds of stuff.
1: Oh, also, I wanted to shout out over on our kids' channel at YouTube.com slash Marvel HQ. We have created a whole bunch of super cute and kid-friendly videos called Meet the Eternals. Each video is about a different member of the Eternals. Definitely go check those out. Again, that's YouTube.com slash Marvel HQ. They're super cute and fun.
0: Yeah. And while we're on the topic of the MCU, we are one month from the two-episode launch of Marvel Studios Hawkeye. That's November 24th, debuting exclusively on Disney+. Lorraine, we've been talking a lot about things that are coming up that are really exciting. And coming up next week is the release of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. It's going to be available on PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S, PC, and Nintendo Switch cloud version. And it's very exciting.
1: It is so exciting. There's a new trailer that is available to watch now, as well as some other cool stuff. You can check it out at Marvel.com or over on their Twitter, which is at G-O-T-G, the game, as in. Guardians of the Galaxy, the game. So definitely go check out that trailer because it's super duper fun. And the game is on Tuesday.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about it a whole bunch next week once it's out. And then after that, we're going to do an episode in the coming weeks, getting you a little bit more behind the scenes on the game. It's very exciting. I can't wait to talk more about Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: All right, moving on. Marvel's Wastelanders Hawkeye. Chapter four, Trick Shot is now available In this episode, Senior proposes that the circus stay in the kingdom permanently while Bobby Morse gets a surprise visitor from the past. And you know what? We have a clip for you. So I think let's let that clip just speak for itself.
2: Senior, you wanted to see me? Come on in. Getting
1: old sucks. Can't get around like you used to. And your two stories big. Hard to wash. Now, shh, shh,
2: shh, Hi, Senior. How you doing? Oh, you know, just sitting around the house. All the way around the house. <laughs> he
3: takes a path. <laughs> they used to call it. <laughs> Roberta Morse, formerly known as Mockingbird. Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Superhero,
2: Avenger. no one's called me that in a long time. And S.H.I.E.L.D? Definitely isn't S.H.I.E.L.D anymore.
1: But the fight...
2: Maybe our fight is over. What do you say, Clint? Aren't you ready? Aren't you ready for it to be over?
0: All right, that was a clip from Marvel's Wastelanders Hawkeye Chapter 4. You can listen to Marvel's Wastelanders Hawkeye exclusively on the SiriusXM app or by subscribing to Marvel Podcasts Unlimited on Apple Podcasts. And then coming soon everywhere you can learn more at SiriusXM.com slash Wastelander.
1: Oh, speaking of podcasts, shout out to Women of Marvel Podcast returning. There's a new trailer and preseason bonus that is out for everybody to listen to all about the new season with our pals Ellie Pyle, Angelique Rocher, and Judy Stevens. And there's going to be a lot of cool stuff for the season. There's witches and fanfic and Star Wars and some amazing Marvel creators and editors from the past and present. And shout out to uh, Isabel Robertson, one of our producers here on This Week in Marvel, who's been working very, very hard on the other podcast, Women of Marvel. And we're very happy to share her, even though we call dibs and she's ours. Um, subscribe now and listen weekly on Sirius XM and on Marvel Podcast Unlimited, on Apple Podcast Episode one is out on October 28th, which, again, what is time? That's in like two seconds from now.
0: Lorraine, I'm going to start a new uh, part of the show yeah. called Podcast Corner. Podcast Corner
1: podcast, corner. Okay, great. Have a theme song.
0: Right. Because we were just talking about Women of Marvel, but on Marvel's poll list this week we have amazing Spider-Man and Marvel Studios She-Hulk writer, Cody Ziegler. He was on talking about Marvel Zombies. He's a ding-dang delight. Lorraine, you and I were guest experts on a show this past week.
1: Yeah, we were on a podcast called Modern Muckraker, which is a brand new comedic investigative journalism podcast about pop culture questions that nobody has you know, really gone out and asked. So the first episode investigates, obviously, a very intense, crucial question within the Marvel Universe, which is, when should Spider-Man take the subway instead of web-swinging? So, you know, Ryan and I were there helping to answer this question. Definitely go check it out. Again, that's Modern Muckraker.
0: One more piece for the podcast corner this week is that i was on the power of x-men podcast and it was a ding dang delight paul the host over there was wonderful we actually have a bunch of history that i didn't even remember so it was really cool to talk to him you can go to at power of x-men on social media and you can find the episode we get into like a bunch of my history but also just talking about marvel and and comics and x-men obviously so it was a good time
1: Let's stop monkeying around. I hate that I just made that segue. Let's move oh, on. Boy. Marvel's Hit Monkey trailer is here for your eyeballs. Definitely go check it out. In it, you're going to see some great stuff like Lady Bullseye and Fat Cobra. You're also going to see a ghost and a monkey, which all around is great stuff. The cast includes Ted Lasso, a.k.a. Jason Sudeikis, Olivia Munn, George Takei, and the series launches on Hulu on November 17th. Definitely go check out the trailer now on marvel.com or the Marvel YouTube channel. Yeah.
0: So Hasbro PulseCon 2021 is happening. Depending on when you listen to this, it may or may not have already been going on, but it is streaming October 22nd and 23rd on the Hasbro Pulse YouTube channel. The Marvel Legends panel is on Saturday, October 23rd at 2 p.m. Eastern. So if you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday morning, get your butts in front and find out what's coming up because they have a great panel, bunch of great people in there. Jesse Falcon from Marvel and friend of the show. Dwight, Ryan and Dan from the Hasbro Marvel Legends team who are wonderful. Julia and Eric Lewald, who are the amazing people behind the X-Men animated series from the 90s. What could they be on the show talking about? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. And then Donnie Cates, who is uh, writer supreme of so much stuff. And David Nakayama, who is a wonderful artist, who's done a bunch of great, great packaging for Marvel Legends. So they'll all be there on this panel. And then also, I think I talked about it last week, I've been doing these unboxing videos with my new co-host, Catherine Grace. Wow. Sorry, Lorraine.
1: Getting replaced by someone so much younger than myself is... It feels wrong. In fact, it feels like maybe she's too young to work as she's two years old, but whatever, it's not up to me.
0: She gets paid in in cookies. That's fine. Uh, I think that that we skirt the laws a little bit there. Oh, all right. (laughs) But so we've been doing these unboxings and the wonderful folks at Hasbro sent me a giant box of Hasbro PulseCon toys and stuff. So Catherine and I did an unboxing on Tuesday. You can find that on my Instagram and Twitter at Agent M, which is a lot of fun. People have uh, really quite enjoyed the chaos (laughs) that Catherine brings to an unboxing.
1: Uh, She takes after her dad. Definitely go check those out. Also, this is really cool. Minor League Baseball and Marvel are collaborating on Marvel's Defenders of the Diamond. It's a three-year partnership between Marvel Entertainment and ballparks across all levels of the MILB starting next year. The new partnership is going to feature 96 teams participating in an event series called the Marvel's Defenders of the Diamond over the next two years, Go learn more about it if you are a minor league baseball fan at MILB.com slash Marvel for all the latest updates. There's going to be a lot of custom content that's going to be around this new initiative for comic book fans who also love uh, the baseball. So definitely go and check it out. There's going to be merchandise and other surprises unveiled starting in 2022 through 2024.
0: Minor league baseball games are so wholesome and so fun. And like, there's so much stuff, especially if you have kids, I'm excited. I want to bring Catherine and experience some of this fun stuff. Let's talk about comic books, like the big announcement of Black Panther number 200. We're celebrating 200 issues of Black Panther as he faces off against the X-Men of Mars. And this is the third issue of the new Black Panther series. It's written by John Ridley and a whole bunch of other folks. Art by Juan Cabal, who is just crushing it. But it's coming out in January, and it's just a big milestone for the number of Black Panther comics that we've put out. It's friggin' cool. Also, we get Black Panther and Storm, yeah. Storm now, like, Queen of Space. And child is kind of like King of Space. So it's great. It's wonderful.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, give me this She-Hulk series by Ray Rowell and Rohe Antonio. I'm so excited for it. There's some new covers and things that you can check out by Jen Bartell. I love a Jen Bartell cover. The, just the greatest. Oh, yeah. The series comes out January 12, 2022. So keep an eye peeled. Ugh, I love Jennifer Walters. I love she hulk she is the absolute best
0: i wanted to shout out rainbow rowell who we've had on the show a bunch of times two or three times before and she's just the best i couldn't be more excited for her to take on she hulk so this is gonna be so good there's more comic stuff this week. We got a really cool trailer for the new Hawkeye Keat Bishop series, which launches on November 17th. There's a new arc for Thor also launching on November 17th, which is all about the God of Hammers because stuff has been going on with Mjolnir. And then there was a really great feature on Marvel.com celebrating Hispanic Latinx Heritage Month, which just ended Really recently, but we wanted to give one more shout out before the end of the month. We had Eisner Award winning writer of Latinx superheroes and mainstream comics, Frederick Luis Aldama, who is just talking about his lifelong love of superheroes, the current landscape of Latinx heroes, and so much more. You can check that out on Marvel.com. All right, y'all, it is time for the interview section of the show. And I mentioned a young man by the name of Cody Ziegler. Earlier in the show, he is on Marvel's Pull List this week, and some sort of synchronicity. He's also one of the guests we have this week. We are talking about Spider-Man Beyond, the new giant storyline that's going on in the pages of amazing Spider-Man comics. We have Cody alongside writers Zeb Wells and Kelly Thompson. It is a triple threat of amazing people, and we get into a whole bunch of great stuff about Spider-Man and Ben Riley comics, working on television, and doing prose, fiction, and all kinds of different writing projects. But it's also wonderful to just listen to the banter between the three of them.
1: It's like three Spider-Mans.
0: More Spider-Mans than anyone should have in one place at one time. Thank you, Spider-Verse.
1: Definitely listen to this now and let us know if you think it sounds like three Spider-Mans.
0: I would love it if y'all could introduce yourselves, starting with Mr.
3: Zeb. I am Zeb Wells, one of the writers on Spider-Man Beyond.
0: And Miss Kelly.
2: Hi, I'm Kelly Thompson, one of the writers under Zeb Wells. (laughs) Mr. Cody, Uh,
4: I am Cody Ziegler, aka Zig, also one of the beloved writers alongside Kelly under the esteemed Zeb Wells.
2: Listen, the one upsmanship oh bodes well for the book, doesn't it? <laughs>
0: Everyone
3: trying to
2: outdo each other.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's something
0: we should talk about right off the top, is that Amazing Spider Man now is in we're doing Spider Man Beyond. Y'all are three of the writers, but there are more members of the team. What's it like writing Spider Man as a big group? Zeb how did all this come together?
3: Well, Nick came to me with a really big and broad idea for Spider-Man Beyond, and he said, you know, do you respond to any of this stuff? And I did, and I I was trying to figure it out, but then he also said, who are some writers that you would like to team up with if you were going to assemble a team? So it was really cool. I got to pick, like, my favorite writers at Marvel and see if we could get them, and thankfully, I think Kelly was the hardest one to get. She I don't know if what kind of issue she has, but she made us really, really, <laughs> <laughs> really, really beg. We had to uh, go through a full gauntlet to get Kelly, but she was worth it. And what I like about it is you get help. You know, we had this massive story. We want it to be as good and as sprawling as possible. And now instead of just one of us trying to crack this thing, we have five or six writers who each have on their own, like solved a massive big part of it and have given us the most complex Ben Riley story we could possibly tell. And that's what all of us wanted to do.
0: We are not joined today by Patrick Gleason and Saladin Ahmed, but they are amazing as part of the team and amazing creators in and of themselves. Kelly, we've had you on the show before, so we've heard your Marvel origin story. So forgive me if I asked quickly to hear the origin stories of your fellow co-writers on the show, Cody. How'd you first get connected or interested in Marvel?
4: I'm the odd man out. I came in via the TV route, so I worked on She-Hulk for Disney Plus, where I met the young whippersnapper uh, <laughs> Zeb Wells. And our two roles in the room, Zeb, correct me if I'm wrong, were to yell about comic book stuff. So like, we were the exclusive comic book guys. Like, I have a memory that will I will never live down. We're like, we were arguing about how a character's powers worked. And I happened to have a comic book of that specific character in my book bag. I whipped it out to the exact page. And I shouted about how the, the powers work and all that stuff. And I think Zeb saw a kindred spirit in that moment. And uh, he was like, <laughs> oh, you know yeah.
3: I, was, I was a gog. I was a gog. I, I had never seen it in real life. And I was like, oh, oh, my word, he's one of us. Like, he's actually one of us. Okay. Okay, I've got to get this guy writing comics. Absolutely.
4: Yeah, and that, that's, how I, that's how I currently find myself uh, writing for, for Amazing Spider-Man.
0: Well, Cody, I want you to go to even deeper back. We're gonna have you on Marvel's pull list soon, but how did you first, just as a from a fan standpoint, what was your first connection to Marvel?
4: Oh yeah, so like my dad was a huge comic book fan. Like he, I remember like distinctively being like six or seven. He took me to the Charlotte, North Carolina Comic Con, and I remember he was walking me around, and uh, there was a section. I think Lou Ferrigno was charging like twenty five bucks to like. Get his picture taken with like people and he's like i was like who is that guy he's like oh that's the hulk i was like what's the hulk he's like let me let me show you a little something and like he bought me like my <laughs> first comic book which were they were not marvel at all it was a jurassic park tie in and then he got me spawn number three and then a couple of weeks later he got me daredevil and that's what got me into like marvel proper but like that was like my little seedling that that sprouted in basically when i got older when i was like 19 to 20 i was delivering food for this chinese restaurant and literally right next door was a comic book shop so like whenever i'd come back from like getting my tips for my runs I'd go over and I saw like World War Hulk. I was like, what is this? He's just beating up everyone in the Marvel Universe. Let's do it, baby. And that's what got me into like superhero Comics proper.
0: Zeb, what was it for you, you know, first getting to become a fan?
3: Well, I, I remember the Incredible Hulk television show when I was just a baby, you know, and liking that. And then I remember my dad getting me an Incredible Hulk coloring book when I was super young. And then when I was about six or seven or just learned how to read, The house we lived in, there were some college kids living underneath, and he had a big box of comic books. And when they moved out, he was just like, Hey kid, you want these comic books? And I was like, Yeah, (laughs) sure. And there were a bunch of Marvels, DCs. It's weird. I could never quite make sense of the DCs. You know, like the mythology was a little too sprawling, but the Marvels, and then they had a a reprint of the first Amazing Spider Man annual with the uh, Sinister Six, you know, with those awesome splash pages of each villain he loses his powers and gets them back i reread it recently and it has everything in it a spider-man story should have it's if you were trying to hook a child on spider-man this is how you would do it and so i remember going through that entire box of comics buying another comic and then realizing they weren't all 64 pages and then a few years later when i was 10, I just started seeing Spider-Man comics at the grocery store. And I was like, oh, I remember those. And I picked up issue of Craven's Last Hunt, which was super depressing for, <laughs> for, a, chi- for a child. I, like, MJ just walking around in the rain for an issue is ingrained <laughs> in my brain. Um, but I, I was hooked after that. I, I had to have every issue.
0: Kelly, we've talked a lot about x-men stuff over over the years were you a spider-man kid growing up did you get into but Sp- when did you get into spidey
2: when i took on this project no i'm just kidding uh, <laughs> no um i was not a spider-man i think it wasn't until i mean i always liked spider-man <sighs> Generally, but I didn't really get it. I don't know, this is probably going to make some people mad, but let's say it anyway. I think the first time I was like, oh, I get it, was when I started reading Peter in Bendis's Avengers, where he was part of that team. So that's very late, obviously. I've gone back and read a lot of the old stuff since then, but I was like, oh, he's like funny and he's sort of this put upon underdog. But he's also this guy I was like, oh, I get it now. I sort of get it. And it was when I was writing Kate, people used to say that they thought I would write a good Spider-Man. And I was like, huh, that's funny. I don't really, I've never had that big connection with that character, but it was when I was writing Kate Bishop a lot that I started to hear that. And I started to sort of see, oh yeah, I can see that because they're sort of screw ups, but they're also exceptional and, and, you know, they've got this way of sort of internalizing their thoughts and everything that is really relatable in the same way that I always found the X-Men and stuff like that. He's got a lot of the same problems we have. And so I sort of got into it, but the first time I got to write him as anything other than just a tiny little cameo, which was in Jessica Jones. And he was in like a state of shock at the time. So it wasn't very, it wasn't a very juicy scene (laughs) for Peter. It was when we did that full circle Spider-Man thing. And man, I had so much fun in that voice and that skin. And the guys on this team are. It's a really great team. And they really brought the energy because I was not really convinced. Like, you know, I wasn't saying no to the project. I making fun of how there I came we go. on board. There we go. And it was, <laughs> it was mostly just a logistical thing with the timing and everything. But... I wasn't totally sold that like I would want to do a Ben Riley story or like that this was a great idea and it was when I saw some of the more complex ideas they had like when I learned it wasn't another whole clone saga type of story like yes it starred Ben Riley, but it was about really different stuff and when I saw I'm a very big fan of zeb i don't know about the rest of these jokers but his hellions (laughs) is one of my favorite books i laugh Mm -hmm. out loud every time i read it when i knew he was sort of heading this up and then i saw the makeup of the room it was like really diverse and really interesting we even have patrick gleason in there who's a writer but he's also an artist which brings like a whole different perspective yeah i was into it man i got really excited it's become really cool i've had a great time
3: you got through that answer without uh Mentioning your eyes here, Kelly. So congratulations
2: You're getting better. <laughs> it was tough. It was tough. <laughs>
3: yeah, we just saw a unicorn. Good, good, good job.
0: Y'all have talked about Ben Riley, um, and in case anybody who was you know listening to this missed out on almost thirty years of various clone stories and sagas around Ben Riley and such. Zeb, can you tell me a little bit about who Ben Riley is, and then why Ben Riley at the crux of this amazing Spider-Man story?
3: Yeah, we really wanted to tell a Ben Riley story. I don't think we wanted to tell a story about the Clone Saga. We wanted to tell the story about what would it have been like to live through the Clone Saga. What kind of character would you be coming out of that? And Ben Riley is a clone of Spider-Man who has all of Peter Parker's memories implanted. So as far as he knows, he is Peter Parker. And it was... A little bit of a question at, at one point of is he the real Peter Parker? When they diverged, did something get messed up? And then that got settled, and we learned that Peter Parker was the real Peter Parker. But that doesn't mean that from Ben Riley's perspective, he's not Peter Parker. He feels like him. He has everything in him that Peter Parker has. And so that brings up these deeper questions of what does it mean to be an individual if you have someone's memories? are those less valid? Is his life less valid? And I think what Kelly's talking about is being able to dig into those themes about like, what would it have been like to be Ben Riley? got us excited? And what's the best story we can tell that is about Ben Riley as a character and not necessarily about how he got here?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's like a genuine second act for this guy, you know, like, He's sort of gone, been raked over the coals. This is his shot to really be, and it's in his DNA, like to be a good guy. Like it's this is his chance to like, take a shot at being a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and that's what really drew me to, to this particular character.
0: Well, if Ben Riley is is putting on a suit, what's going on with Peter in Spider-Man
3: Beyond? Well, he had a bad day, uh, Ryan. I'm gonna be, I'm just gonna be dead honest about that. <laughs> he has a really bad day, and he he goes up against the UFOs, and he's actually there with Ben Riley who has this awesome suit that is developed specifically to like keep out the radiation from the UFOs, keep out the poisons from vapor of the UFOs. And unfortunately, Peter doesn't have that in this fight. So something goes terribly wrong. And there's a well, well, wait, I'm not going to give away the end of the comic book. R- Ryan, <laughs> I, I,
2: I, I was going to break in a couple times. Yeah, so I was like, oh, Zeb, yeah. Just, yeah. Zeb just knows what he's doing. We'll, we'll just yeah. let well, him tell yeah. the whole not Kelly, Kelly, never assume I know what
3: I'm doing. Always step in. Can I go back to my first answer? He has a bad day and he's
2: taken off
3: the board.
2: But wait, let's not say he's off the board because that's not really true. Yeah. And that freaks people out. This is a Peter story and a Ben story. It's an ebb and a flow. You know, Peter's going to be out of the loop for a while, but it's still going to be about Peter being Peter and Peter fighting to be the best guy and the best superhero he can. And and it's about that ebb and flow, I think, a little bit. Absolutely.
3: Right? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It is a Peter story. And just as we get to see Ben in a new light, we get to take the character of Peter and and separate him from the day-to-day of being Spider-Man for a little bit and ask ourselves some questions about what's in there, divorced from Spider-Man a bit.
0: Yeah. I wanted to point out, Kelly had mentioned a little bit about Patrick Gleason, artist, and he's drawn some of those first stories. There's a really beautiful panel. It's almost a full-page splash of Peter and Ben face-to-face and just the feeling of fall that is evoked, a shout out to Marcio Meniz for the beautiful colors on that, but how much fun is it to work with Patrick as part of the Spider-Man Beyond team who's looking at it from from multiple angles?
3: Yeah, instantly on the first call, we had some larger concepts that we were talking about, and I don't want to give anything away, but he was quickly able to say, oh, that that should look like this, or oh, what if visually that was conveyed by this and I was like yep stealing that stealing that and <laughs> <Yeah>. quickly brought <laughs> brought that into the first issue
2: I found it incredibly invaluable. I mean, I know it's not always possible. I mean, I know that part of the reasons you end up with writers feeling like the architects is mostly just a practical thing, right? They're able to stay on the book long-term. They can do multiple projects at once, whereas artists, their job is so involved. They're not able to take on as much on a month-to-month basis. And so that ends up so often pushing them into sort of the background and not letting them be the architect. And I, that's maybe my favorite part of what we've done here is Pat is incredibly talented writer and artist and having him there. I don't know. I think it just completely opened us up to a lot of really from great things that none of us would have thought of if someone who's really visually cued hadn't been sitting there and someone who loves Spider-Man and knows all about it. Right. Like he was really dialed in. I think it was a game changer for a lot of the stuff we yeah. came up with for some of the incredible visuals that are there right from the jump. Yep. Not to mention that great costume.
3: <laughs> yeah,
4: the great costume.
3: That's and that's so cool to like, to get off one of these calls and then the next day wake up and in your email are these designs that he whipped up and then yeah. you're like, okay, we got something here. We got something here. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, you're looking at what Pat did, and you're like, "Uh, what did we do? We did some outlining. We're geniuses. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah,
3: yeah. You see that costume? and You're like, "Oh, we're geniuses. We did it. You really like
4: to fart, but I got, I got to deliver on my end. I got to make sure these scripts are actually yeah. good.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But there is, I mean, we were joking about that before, but I think there is like a fun competitive thing that's happening where you really do want to bring your A-game because you really respect and like the other people who are in the room and you know they're going to do really well. (laughs) Zeb sent me very nice note about one of my scripts saying he was jealous of the dialogue and I was like, what? I was like, I'm jealous of your dialogue every time I read it. Like, So it really made everyone like you know, hyped up to do their best, which was a great environment for it, you know?
3: Yeah, if you like the other writer, you you want to <laughs> impress them. And if you yeah. don't like them, you you want to shame them. Yeah. <laughs> there so you go. There you go. It's, <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Speaking of hype, got to mention Mr. Nick Lowe. I immediately after reading 75 and getting a taste of things, I immediately texted him and was like, man, this was so good. I loved it a lot. And he, he was just like, all caps exclaiming like his enjoyment of it and really excited about the team about working with everybody about just like the synergy that y'all seem to have how much singing does nick do when y'all are, are doing your
3: calls <laughs> has he sung yet i think we've been able to keep that genie wow. in the bottle oh Ooh. wow yeah
4: i haven't i haven't heard him belt out any notes yet
0: oh i feel
3: bad
4: oh boy i gotta hear <laughs> those pipes yeah let's go what are we doing nick
3: we're definitely going to have to ask him about that now for sure. <laughs> I, I did not know he did that. And I went to a screening of a Marvel movie. He was just welcoming everyone. And suddenly he he broke out. He said, oh, oh and don't worry, I wrote a song for the night. And he just started singing a song. And I was like, what is happening here? <laughs> Who is Nick Lowe? And why is Nick Lowe? <laughs> yep,
0: that seems about right. Zeb, you've been working on the X-Books, as, as Kelly mentioned. We hear about the X-slack and the sort of camaraderie between the the creators on that end. Has that been similar to being in a writer's room for TV, or is that different? And how does that sort of reflect what you've been trying to come together with here on Spider-Man Beyond?
3: I think it's definitely similar. And I think that's one of the good things that came out of the challenging year and a half that we're in right now is that we've learned new ways to work. And I think that everyone in comics, especially in the X office and with this, has learned that it's not impossible. We can use this new technology that we have to bring everyone together, even if we can't be geographically the same place. So to see the benefits of a TV writer's room brought to comics has been really, really cool. And it's just so much more fun to face down a story, which is always terrifying, like trying to break a new story. It's always terrifying. It's never not going to be terrifying. But to do it with people you like, love and respect in the room and you're all together trying to get it done, it's just so much more fun to work that way. And I think that what you get out of the story is so much more nuanced. So you can ask anyone that's in the X office and worked through the pandemic on that X Slack, and I'm sure they'll say the same thing, that this is a very cool way to work and a very cool way to write comics especially if you're doing something in the same world in the same line
4: yeah it's a nice collaborative effort and it's very welcoming as someone who came in is fairly new to comics i've only written a, a couple of things before i got amazing spider-man so like coming in from like a tv background where like we've lived on zoom like that's all that we do looking at eight other people little boxes on a computers like coming into that world and like oh i this is easier for me to like adjust to this world and also like i love collaboration not just between like artists like i love hanging out with other writers i like seeing what their point of view is i also you know they influence your work like i love the way that kelly writes a uh, dialogue i love the way that she depicts action and like i love how many jokes zeb is able to cram into like one page <laughs> i try to like steal that and put it into my work you know like that bruce lee quote of like tossing out the water and let the droplets come back down that's me just like stealing all the things I like seeing the other the other writers do. It's like yeah, I think collectively it makes everyone it's like a rising tide lifts all ships. Like I think it makes everyone really bring their yeah. aching. Particularly when you're like it's like a, a nice rivalry between everyone trying to like put out the best story in the best book you can.
2: For sure. I also think um, not to make us sound like no good hacks, but one of the things that's the best thing about collaborative effort like this to me. And I recently co-wrote a screenplay with someone and I found it to be very true there as well, which is that as a writer, you spend all day trying to write the pages, right? People are like, oh, what's your workday look like? And you're like, listen, I glue myself in front of the laptop and how many actual pages come out versus how many stupid internet articles were read is a, a different factor every day. But it's so hard to get that stuff down sometimes. And when you've got a group of these talented people that you respect and sort of trust, the point at which you stop and you're like, well, I don't know the answer to this question, so I'm going to read six internet articles yeah. instead of doing this. You just reach out and someone goes, oh, I have an idea. And it just keeps it moving in yeah. such a organic way as a writer. I, it's incredibly, it's almost like you know if you're having a week not great time. Someone else is there to prop you up and to help you through it. And then you can do it for them later. Like it's an ebb and a flow. Why is that my theme? Should we have called this ebb and flow? Is there a joke (laughs) about web and flow? What have I done? What's happened? But yeah, I I find it incredibly, and you know, teams don't always work that well, but I have found this one to be incredibly effective in that way, where just when you think you're stuck someone else has the answer. And you just hope you can pay the favor back later, you know?
3: Yeah. A writer writing without feedback, just to what Kelly was saying, there are just so many pitfalls <laughs> or traps you can fall yeah. into. You can, you can write something good and not know if it's good or not. So you think about whether or not it's good for three, four hours, where if <laughs> you say something and Kelly Thompson says, Oh, that's awesome. You're like, oh, fantastic. Let's move on to the next thing. <laughs> yeah, let's check. We're it done. In. Time to yeah, shut like, it down. Log in. Next like, problem. <laughs> yeah, let's go. And it just goes yeah. boom, boom, boom. And the quality's better and it happens faster. And I think comic book writers do have it rough in that respect where it's you in a room. And a lot can go wrong when it's you in a room with your brain and all your insecurities and all your demons,
2: and and there's no one to help you. It's honestly amazing anything gets written, quite it honestly. Yeah. It really is.
0: You talked about speed and, and sort of the collaboration, the organicness of it all. The book... Comes out three times a month at this point now. Spider-Man Beyond, we're getting a lot of amazing Spider-Man. You have a great team here. How do you divide up the stories, the issues? Who's tackling what? Is one writer doing a normal sized arc? How does that work for the Spider-Man Beyond team?
3: Do you remember how we decided who did what? It was sort of a conversation, right? We we you're the boss. We <laughs> you decide. Right? Yeah, yeah. we well, boss. <laughs> let
4: me remind you, boss. <laughs>
3: I remember we would, we would get on these calls and we would all talk about just a bunch of stuff. And then I would go off and I would try to write the entire story. And I would leave out what we hadn't solved or whatnot. And then that would go out. We would get back together and everybody would say, well, that worked. Oh, no, I think it was more like this. And as that happened, this yeah. entire arc started being built. And then at some point
2: someone started calling for things, right, Kelly? <laughs> no, I don't I don't really think it was calling for things so much as I think, and again, this was I don't want to belabor the, oh, what a perfect team it is, but there wasn't really a lot of fighting over real estate. I think that it was emerging in the room that there were certain things some people were really excited about or more interested in. You know, for example, we knew there was a big miles component to this, and we knew that Saladin was gonna be you know, the perfect person. And so it seemed only natural that when we're highlighting that part of the story, he's going to be more involved. I was super interested in the daughters of the dragon stuff that we were bringing in. So I think that's happened, but I think the real answer is Nick Lowe. I mean, right. I mean, I think Nick, while we were doing all this stuff, I suspect Nick was looking at the whole ball and the schedules and how he was going to pair writers with artists, you know, like in my case. So my first two issues, I've got a short in 75 But then I'm doing 77 and 78, and I think part of how Nick probably made that decision for me to do those two is because he wanted Sara Pacelli drawing it, and he knew we could only do two issues with her before other people would need to come in and take it. So I think there was was an organic thing happening in the room, and then I think there was a very technical thing happening for Nick outside the room of what's the practical way to break it down. Because I think three times
3: a month, that takes over at a certain point, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: Yeah. it can't just be, oh, you want to do this. I mean, for example, there's a Daughters of the Dragon thing coming up that I really wanted to write, and then I just didn't have room in my schedule. I love that script. I'm angry I didn't write it, but I don't think I would have turned in such a good script as what it is because I was too busy and it was not working, you know? So I think there's always that very practical side you know, yes, this is all creative and swirly and cool. And then there's like, hey, someone get out the schedule. How many pages can <laughs> yeah. these people do, you know?
3: And you feel safe with Nick because I, I think Nick's a fan of all of us. And so he was sort of fan casting us into the into the different <laughs> sections of of the story. And so I think everybody ended up excited about what they got to write for sure. I know I was.
0: Cody, was there something like, Kelly mentioned, you know, she wants to do Daughters of the Dragon and, and Saladin coming in for Milestone. Was there something for you you were just like, this is the thing I want to write.
4: Yeah, I mean, first of all, just Spider-Man in general. Like, yeah, get me that Libby <laughs> boy. But when he was like, he, yeah, <laughs> you know, he's like, uh, so they gave me my first two issues. They gave me Crave of the Hunter. I love a weird villain to begin with. It's so like, and I get to talk about some things like I want to talk about thematic-wise and social commentary-wise. And I also got to make it funny. Like, I think that's the big draw that like I came in pretty hard to this world being like, hey, I write comedy. Like, that's what I want to do. Like, I love having the dramatic moments, but like, I don't want to be bummed out writing a story. I don't want to will be bummed out reading a story so like as long as i get to have like my weird comedic moments they let me do that and like nick gave me pretty much carte blanche to write the story uh kelly and zeb can attest that it gets really weird really fast and it's also big and fun and and silly (laughs) and like i also got teamed up with a fantastic artist and i came into this thinking about the writer artist collaboration as like a director dp so like just seeing michael dowling turn in amazing page after amazing page of like, this is fantastic. This is all I could ever want. Like, honestly, I wanted to write comic books that a young me could see and be stoked about. And I think someone's going to pick up this page and be really stoked about it. And like seven to 13 year old me would be super stoked that I get to write these stories.
2: Dowling killed it, man. Yeah, he's great. Those issues. I mean, Patrick did the opening Mm -hmm. stuff, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. Sara did some of my stuff. And then Michael Dowling came in. I mean, it's incredible. Incredible art.
3: It's crazy. And it's been fun to watch it with with Zig because just being reminded and, and realizing that it truly as a comic book writer never gets old to write something (laughs) and then see those pages come back, like getting pages. Yeah. It never gets old, never, not once as it's it, crazy, as it's isn't been, it? Yeah, it's, it's so like, like Christmas. It's like yeah, it's
4: Christmas. Like, yeah. You know, you're going to have 22 Christmas over the course of a week <laughs> and a half or whatever. Yeah. It, like, it never gets over. Yeah. yeah,
2: it's. I think one of the many reasons it's been hard for me to go back to prose a little bit, even though mm. I've wanted to. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, and yeah. there's part of me that's like, oh, I like. There's some fun in the singularity of it's like only your voice and it's all relying on you. Like there's something about that that's appealing. But oof, I don't know. It's the, the tangibility. The collaboration, yeah. the sharing. Where are the, the pictures? Yeah. The, Where are yeah, the pictures? And just seeing someone take something you created that you hope is good, but that you're yeah, still not good, sure yeah. about. And then, then making, bringing themselves make to it, it and making it better. It's yeah. honestly, when it works, it's truly magical.
0: Yeah. Well, I look forward to the magic of Spider-Man Beyond. The three of you are wonderful. I appreciate you coming on and talking about Spidey with me. And uh, everybody, go check out Amazing Spider-Man for a while to get some really ding-dang delightful comics. Big thank you once again to the Spider-Man Beyond team, uh, Zeb, Kelly, and Cody, as well as those who couldn't be with us, Saladin and Patrick, and even Nick Lowe. I feel like Nick Uh, Lowe is just like a ghost floating around us.
1: He is the spirit of the Spider-Man office.
0: Next week is a scary Halloween episode where we're going to be reading some fun Halloween stories from Marvel's past. Many of you have asked us to do these again. We did this last year. So we're going to be doing that again this year. It's going to be very fun. It'll be Lorraine, myself, and James Monroe Iglehart reading some fun stories.
1: So what Marvel character would you most want to cosplay as for Halloween this year if someone were to hand you the perfect costume? And this is relatable content for me because I have set out to do many a cosplay. And then I realized my skill does not match my desire to look cool. And then I panic. But if someone were to be like, I'm going to give you a super accurate, made for you, perfect costume that you will look amazing in who you want to be.
0: I mean, come on. Give me Modoc. I will be so massive. I will be a walking hazard for no children can be anywhere near me on the street. It would be great. What about for you?
1: What if I got like a Carolina Dean outfit and I was a rainbow? like a sparkling mm. rainbow with a big blonde wig. Like, that sounds awesome.
0: Yeah, it does.
1: Those are our wishes. Tell us what yours are.
0: Tell us yours with the hashtag This Week in Marvel over on Twitter. You can email them to us at Marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. Please make sure to tell us it is okay to read on the show. Now it is time for community. And last week we asked y'all... The question of the week, which was, what would you do if you got to be a replacement Spider-Man? And the first answer came in from Weasley Cheese at Cheese Weasley. Great name. And Cheesley Weasley said, I would use my newfound, quote unquote, celebrity status as, quote unquote, Spider-Man to hang out with Taylor (laughs) Swift and Travis Scott and stuff. I would also swing around New York City without a care in the world.
1: That is so specific. I just I'm just
0: glad that the the like. It is not like an altruistic, wonderful, sweet answer, because that makes me feel better. I know there are good-hearted answers coming, (laughs) but I like that Weasley Cheese came in and just was like, I'm just going to goof around and hang out with celebrities.
1: Respect. Local noir but spooky at Quispy Queen's. These names, you guys, Quisby, Queens. it's spelled with a KW. okay, I'm dead. Um, I would 100% abuse my powers and probably swing around my hometown for fun and show off at the gym lifting all the heavyweights. That is an amazing idea, honestly, like I would love to just go to a gym and just ruin people's expectations of what I'm capable of. Just like, Oh my gosh.
0: And you got to go to like a gold's gym or something where all the big dudes are getting swole and you, you know, you probably haven't bulked up. You're, you're now fit because you're a spider Man, but you're just like, do, 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 do walk in there and just lift like, a billion pounds. We're like, oh, how are you? <laughs> Our pal Karis Pollard, at a Karis Pollard, tweeted, what would I do if I was Spider-Man? I'm with Lorraine Sink. I'm so scared of heights. I'd probably start off by putting safety webs on all the main streets so I could swing with peace <laughs> of mind.
1: <gasps> but hammock goals. Like, you could make the world's best hammock and just straight chill out. Yeah, That would be pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, while somebody's getting robbed below you, you are snoozing.
1: Yeah, relax. Treat yourself, girl. <laughs> All right, next up, this one's from Yaswo at Yaswo, which says, I live in Canada, so I would swing in Montreal and be the amazing Canadian Spider Man.
0: Ooh. Bradley Peters at successor210 said, I would swing around my city in hopes that no one who bullied me in grade school became a replacement carnage. Ooh, that's, yeah, scary.
1: All right, next up, Stu at not the real puffed said I would be confused, excited and stressed out having no idea what to do. (laughs) I know that's like one of those things like, Oh good. Okay. Can I just still stay home and watch movies?
0: That might be the most real answer (laughs) of the whole bunch. Uh, That's so good. Uh, Mr. Billy 57 at M Billy 57 says I would go back into pro wrestling and give Bonesaw McGraw his rematch. Bonesaw. Oh. Rest in peace, Macho Man Randy Savage.
1: Oh, Matthew at squants underscore Matthew says, I've learned to moonwalk on the side of a building. Shrug. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so good, though.
1: <laughs> it would look pretty cool.
0: You just see some people looking up and be like, why is Spider-Man like practicing dancing on the side of a building? It's fine. It's fine. Man,
1: you could be a great stunt guy.
0: Oh, yeah. Sam at Extra Microwave says, I would forgive all student loan debt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that works. But yeah, everybody should have their student loan debts forgiven. I've already paid off my student loans, but I don't think anybody should have to worry about that stuff.
1: That would be great. I don't know how Spider Man would do it, no. but I appreciate that. Yeah. Next up, Sadie Moody at Sadie the Nerd Thirty Seven said, I would be the most badass Spider Man ever. Which Yeah. Totes. Yeah. Great. Great. Perfect. Love it. Good for you. Love
0: it. And then finally, we have a Facebook message from Damon Boser, who says, if I were to be a replacement Spider-Man, I would go the superior route, minus the arrogance and the killing. I would definitely reinstate those spider spy bots, crime report bots.
1: I don't know about spider bot spies, because they're creepy, and they seem like an invasion of privacy and... Overplacing, but uh, that's neither here nor there Uh, well
0: on that note that's a wrap for us this episode of this week of marvel is produced by zachary goldberg isabel robertson lorraine sink and ryan Panagos.
1: our audio development manager is brad barton
0: and jill deboff is our director of audio
1: and special thanks to modox headbands modox headbands do you have one giant head do you love headbands this is for you i'm ryan i'm lorraine
0: and this is marvel
1: Your universe.